Welcome to the Align Nutrition Podcast, a place where eating doesn't get in the way of living. We use science and psychology to move past the challenges you face while healing your relationship to food. I'm your host, Erica Drury, a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. For the past 10 years, I've been helping people like you find a happy medium of flow and balance with eating. If solving these issues were easy, you would have figured it out already. Expect to learn a new way. Each week, you'll hear trainings, listen in on mini coaching sessions from people on your same path, and learn from other guest professionals. I'm so glad you've joined me. Erica here, and I wanted to hop on and give you a quick introduction to our wonderful guest today. You're going to love her. She's so full of knowledge and knows so much about the topic and science of weight. Marie Pierre is an anti-diet registered dietitian with a bachelor's degree in science and psychology, and she's the founder of The Balance Practice. After completing her first degree in psychology, Marie Pierre struggled with an eating disorder. After recovery, she went back to school to become a dietitian with a dream to support folks and their food journeys. She started her private practice and has been supporting people, healing their relationship with food and their bodies. She strives to provide evidence-based nutrition interventions to all of her clients and support them in their recovery journeys. She is passionate about helping you discover how to ditch diet culture and nourish your body without guilt, shame, or restrictions. You can spot her on the local news, radio stations, and giving presentations to different organizations on nutrition. She is the host of the Balanced Dietitian podcast. I was on her podcast. I'll link to that as well here in the show notes where she really, like me, provides listeners with a different approach to nutrition. She offers one-to-one counseling at The Balanced Practice, as well as an online group program, helping people heal their relationship to food and her body. I can't wait for you to hear this episode, and I'll talk to you soon. Well, hey there, Marie-Pierre. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, it's so nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm so grateful that you're here. You're a dear colleague of mine. We could barely cap our conversation offline, and so we're excited to be sharing with you a bit more today. We're going to be doing a deep dive on weight, talking about a lot of like missing pieces that I don't think people know about. So before we dive in, I always like to hear, who are we speaking to? You know, what got you into this work? Yeah. So I'm going to try to keep my story short because I can talk a lot. But my name is Maddie Pierre. You can call me Marie. I'm an anti-diet dietitian here in Ottawa, Canada. So I actually started my journey in psychology. I was always really interested with everything that had to do with our emotions or thoughts or beliefs or perspective of, uh, on life. I come from a really big family where we're like eight siblings and we're all very different. <laughs> so I feel like that really sparked my interest into learning more about psychology. And then after that first bachelor's degree, I struggled with my own relationship with food and my body. I developed an eating disorder and I had moved away from home to go into law school. And I feel like law school is like this weird trajectory in my life journey. <laughs> I gave a try. But yeah, through that time, it was really tough. I, I struggled with anorexia nervosa and then got diagnosed with bulimia nervosa. And I was really fortunate that they caught my eating disorder pretty fast and I had access to care which was a big part in my recovering as quickly, quote unquote, as I did. So through my own recovery, I saw a lot of different dietitians and therapists and psychologists. And 
I found that there was a gap <laughs> within what my dietitians would talk to me about would solely be on food and it would not address my beliefs around food or my emotions. And when I would see my psychologist, she would like solely just talk about my emotions and my thoughts and behaviors. So I decided to go back to school. And my idea was always to go back to school so I can like combine psychology and nutrition together and like fill that gap. And that's what I do today. So now I have a practice where we help people with eating disorder and disordered eating and run group programs to support folks in healing their own relationship with food. That is so needed. I mean, I think a lot of times when you're the dietitian, it's easy to ignore some of these other things that are taking place. And then when you're the therapist, it's able, you know, okay, we're talking about food over here and needing to have those pieces brought together. And with your background in psychology, that's amazing. That's... Yeah, no, totally. And it's, it's hard because you also like want to stay in your co- scope and you're like, we're just going to talk about food. But when you do this work, it's so like, it's not really about food. <laughs> it's about food, but it's not about food. Yep. So it's so important to talk about all these other aspects that come into play. I saw someone speak once and they said, this work is bridging nutrition science with the art of therapy. And I feel like with your background and expertise, like you're the perfect fit for this. Yeah. It, it's funny because we always say like with, within the practice, we're like, or we always say it's like a combination of food, body, and mind. Like they always need to come all together. We can't isolate them. They're just always a mix <laughs> that we, we help people through. It is. And that's exactly why I wanted to bring you on today. Because it's really, I think when it comes to food, body, and mind, there's this piece around weight that often we're not getting the full picture. And I think a lot of that information about, you know, where is my weight supposed to be? Is this wrong? Was this weight set for me in treatment? What I was supposed to have? Or I've gained weight, I've lost weight. What does that mean? Does that matter? And I imagine you feel the same, but I would love to talk more about, you know, how does weight show up in healing our relationship to food? And specifically, I wanted to talk about health at every size. And it blew my mind when I learned about it. And it broke open the way that I practice and filled in so many gaps for me. So maybe I'm being selfish here, but how does it show up in your work with clients? Oh, it show up all the time. And I'm the same. Like when I first learned about health at every size, and when I first learned about diet culture, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, what is all of this? Because we're not necessarily taught to questions or beliefs or our thoughts. So when you're going through this journey and you're really questioning those core beliefs that you have, like, yeah, it's like life changing <laughs> because it like allows you to really open up a whole new, a whole new world. But weight itself shows up a lot. And I think like listeners can probably relate. And like in my practice, a lot of people who struggle with their relationship to food, it tends to start with their body and their weight. So not being happy in their body or having like lower body image, feeling a lot of discomfort, which tends to then lead to wanting to control food in order to control their body. So as we're healing our relationship to food, Often there's also that like body piece that really needs to come into play because oftentimes it, it stems from there. Not always. Some people, you know, just have issues with food, not related to body. But I would say most of the time when people are trying to diet and control, it has to do with their weight and their body. And I think this part where even like those questions that yeah, you said, like, oh, where should my body be? Is my weight okay? Is it weight restored? And all these things, it's a lot of it comes from 
we are being taught that we can't trust our body and that we need to micromanage that weight, right? So if you have this idea, like the BMI, for example, of like, oh, based on my height, I should be here. Like, we feel like we need to like manage that where this is one of the myths of diet culture when the truth is that your body is more than able to manage its own weight. So I think a lot through this process too, is just leaning into that trust that we often lose when we have been chronically dieting or when we've suffered with an eating disorder. Yeah. It's, it's like, that's the crack in the foundation is when, you know, someone is 11 years old and they go to the pediatrician and they say, you need to lose weight. You know, your child needs to lose weight or you are 14 and you don't like your body and you feel like you don't look like your friends or you're not as pretty or toned or whatever. And you want to change that. And so like you said, that body dissatisfaction is leading to all of these other things. So weight is constantly bubbling under the surface and essentially driving this stuff. And that's, you know, I think people hear health at every size and we're definitely going to delve into why we're talking about it. But first and foremost, like keep listening because there are so many myths associated with health at every size, even the name in and of itself. So I'm really glad that you can bring your expertise to us today and really talk about what it really is and what it isn't, because it's clear that weight is driving a lot of our fears about food. You know, when I'm talking to clients, it's always like, well, I didn't want to eat that. And it's like, why? Well, because, well, because why? Because I'm afraid I'm going to gain weight. And I mean, it's understandable in the society that we're in, right? Like when we feel like our weight will make us feel unsafe or like living in a larger body is unsafe or we won't belong anymore. It creates a lot of discomfort. Like it makes sense that we fear it, which is why there's a lot to unpack here and why it's not necessarily just on the individual, but as a society <laughs> that we, there's a lot for us to unpack. Oh, it is. And I love the way you frame that because Whenever I'm talking to people about it, it's this, okay, here's the society. Like the society is what we need to change. But then also as an individual, you're like, well, how do I get better? What do I tell myself? There's a definitely that step one, right? Of like becoming aware of the actual, you weren't born hating your weight, right? You weren't born afraid to gain weight. Mm -hmm. And so at some point that stuff starts to take hold. And then so as you're healing, yeah, how do you do that? Yeah, 100%. And I think it's so important to name because I've had some people come in like, I, now I feel guilty for wanting to lose weight because we keep talking about how we shouldn't and like you should be. And I'm like, oh no, like the ownership is not on you. Like it, it makes sense that you want that, but it's our job to kind of unpack and seeing how we can get to this place of, can I be okay with this weight, right? Like, because at the end of the day, we have body autonomy, but what we know is that there's no way to sustain a weight loss, right? There's no proven way right now. There's no diets that can lead to that. So what is the alternative? Like if we don't want to spend our life chronically dieting, what is the alternative and how can we learn to be okay with that? Oh my gosh. I feel like that takes so much work to even wrap your head around. What is, if you could break it down a bit more, what does body autonomy mean to someone? Yeah. So I'll say my definition. So when I think of body autonomy is that it's your right to decide and the choices that you want to make for you and for your body. And I think, again, important to name in our work because we often, or I often say anyways, like anti-diet, like health at every size, like intentional weight loss can cause harm. But what's really important is that that's not against the person of like, we're not anti-dieters or anti-people who want to lose weight, right? It's behind this whole system of belief that weight loss creates more value and all, all of these things. 
But when we say body autonomy, it's your choice that you want to do with your body. What I think our role is to make sure that choice is educated, because right now the issue is that diet culture tells us a bunch of BS, right? Like there's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of false hope that when you choose to diet, if that's what you choose to do, it's just having that being an informed choice. But at the end of the day, you get to choose that if you think that's best for you. What we're trying to do is really empower people to make those choices for themselves. And most times than not, people will choose not to, right? Like nobody loves to diet and restrict and like feel like they need to do that and obsess around food and body all the time. Like it's not a pleasant thing, but when we are empowered and have the knowledge and are able to like lean into that health at every size that we're going to be talking about, it gives you that power to decide, which is really what body autonomy gets back to. That's beautiful. And it, thank you for stating it that way. Cause I think it's important that people know we're a soft place to land here. We are, you know, health professionals that went to school and studied nutrition because we care about well being. We care about health. And, you know, that fear, I think, of weight and being tempted to be drawn back into that losing weight. One of the, and, and along the lines of body autonomy and being informed, one of the biggest things that I hear is, well, I want to lose weight to be healthy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you said, we can't define that for you. Only you know that or talking it through with, you know, somebody like you or I, like on an individual basis could really help determine what that means. But at the end of the day, health at every size, it's this whole body of research that we can, you said, we want you to be informed. So can we, you know, as a way to share a bit more about weight and science and health, mm-hmm. Could we go into some of the things about health at every size, what it is and what it stands for, and maybe even some myths about it? Yeah, 100%. And I think that's very useful to go through because there is a lot of myths around health at every size. And even if there's the word like health in the name, people are like, no, 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 it's not healthy. No, 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 no. Yeah, every size healthy. Whoa, what are we talking about here? <laughs> You're like, not coexist. But yes, they can. So when we think of health at every size, like you said, it's a whole body of research, right? It's not just like this body positive movement that like came out of nothing. There's actually so many research to back this up. So I'll go through a little bit. There's a few principles because when we think again of health at every size, it's like a concept that lies into different principles. Right now, the term is coined by ASDA, which is the Association for Size, Diversity and Health. And okay, so there's five principles. So the first one and the most important one to me, okay, no, they're all important. (laughs) You can't play favoritism right now, but it's weight (laughs) inclusivity. So which really tells us that it's the idea that we need to accept that there is body diversity, right? That we are not meant to all be the same size and we need to be inclusive as all body shapes, sizes, weight, right? And stop idolizing that one thin ideal that our culture tends to do. The second principle of health at every size is our health enhancement. So it's supporting, and that looks more at that, that, like that social aspect of like supporting health policies that equalizes access to care. So it's really focusing that, you know, taking into account like weight stigma, which is a big factor in health outcomes. So making sure that at a healthcare system, at a society system, that health enhancement is there to be able to provide access to all. Then we have eating for well-being. So this is the part where nutrition comes in play, right? Eating based on your hunger, your satiety, tuning in. So really really relying on those internal cues instead of like those calorie counters and like weighing your food and all that like not fun stuff. 
and really meeting our nutritional needs, but also the pleasure. And I like that they add the pleasure piece to there too, that food can also be fun. So really focusing on that nutrition for nourishment instead of nutrition to restrict. Yeah, I think like healthy eating and restriction are so woven together. I think that's a really important distinction because I don't know about you, but I feel like there's so many cultures that celebrate pleasure with eating outside of definitely the United States. I don't know if it's the same way in Canada. Oh, definitely. Here, I think a lot. So I'm French Canadian. French Canadians love their food. Like we celebrate with food for everything. And like, so I'm half French Canadian. The other half is Italian, which is like probably even worse. Like it's all about food, but also like the experience of food of like cooking together. And that's something that we lose in diet culture for sure. The fourth principle is respectful care. So this is really like acknowledging our own biases and work to end the weight discrimination weight stigma and weight biases. So this is really supporting people through care outside of just weight. So they talk here about understanding our social economy, status, race, gender, all these different aspects that are either health promoting or can promote health outside of weight. So seeing that as care and that health as like, there's all these other things that determine our health and it might not just be weight. And then also making sure that we address the inequities in the society, again, in terms of where people may not have that access to care. And then the last piece is life-enhancing movement, which just talks about the way that we move our body. So they talk a lot about like joyful movement and how do we include that in our life? Like we know that physical activity in our bodies generally like love to move. So how do we do that at every size, any abilities that we have or and making sure that it is enjoyable. And again, it's not coming out as a way to like compensate or whatever the case may be. Those are so juicy. And as you were talking about them, it struck me that really so much of this is societal. It's really high level. And so as an individual, like pulling it forward, it feels like a lot of advocacy in kind of understanding of like, okay, well, if not to lose weight, like what else would you recommend for me to improve my health? Or is it about that person's weight or are there other things at play here that we need to investigate and care for? Or how do these, all these different things, like, like you were saying, these other indicators, these things outside of your weight, Mm -hmm. how do they, you know, how does sleep matter? How does stress matter? How does socioeconomic status matter? How does access to food matter? How does a history of trauma matter? Like these things that affect our health that are completely outside of what you eat, how you move and what you weigh on a scale. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it's, I think diet culture like downplays health to be like, oh, it's what you eat and how you move. Where when we look at health, it's a lot more complicated than there's so many different aspects, but I find it's also coming from a very gentle place of being able to take care of your body, no no matter how your body looks. And that to me is like true health, right? Like if you're only taking care of your body for making it look a certain way, we know that that's not sustainable. And that's also what research shows us. So when we look at research that gets people on like the health at every size aspect of like taking care and engaging health behaviors regarding weight versus like dieting, people who are able to engage in health behaviors regardless of size are able to sustain those habits a lot longer compared to people who are doing it with the hopes of losing weight it typically just stops when the diet stops, right? Because the motivation is very external. 
We're doing it for a reason. And if that doesn't happen, that doesn't pan out. Or if it does pan out and you get there, you're like, cool, don't, don't need to do it anymore. Like it's not very intrinsic. So it's really interesting too. And when they compare a lot of studies and health at every size, they really look back at other studies too, that really pinpoints weight as the issue. And what they found is that a lot of these studies, one, don't show causality, they show correlation, but also they tend to, I don't think forget is the right word, but they don't take into account a lot of other factors. So they will only focus on weight with chronic disease or whatever, whatever, whatever. But they tend to not look at all the health behaviors to be like, oh, but could it be because this person is also a smoker? Or could it be because this person doesn't have an active job or is not active? Or does it have to be because this person lives in a low income community and has a lot of stressors in their life? So it's really interesting when they go back and look at like these researches that our healthcare is like based on to be like, oh, but they, they don't hold like there's something that's like icky there that doesn't really work. Whereas when they do the new, the new research, and this is really cool with health every size is that there's a ton of research that's starting to back it up and more and more coming every, I don't want to say every day, but every year, there's more research to back it up to show that you can really be healthy at any size. That does not mean that you are healthy, no matter size you're at. And I think this is one of the biggest myths that we talked about before we press record. It doesn't mean that you're, you're automatically healthy. It just means that you have access and the ability to engage in those health behaviors to improve your own health. And I think that's really important because people in all sizes can be healthy, but people in all sizes can also engage in unhealthy behaviors. And people can engage in some healthy behaviors and still not be really healthy. And that just comes from our definition of health, right? Like someone, for example, who was always like engaging in health behaviors, but then has cancer. Arguably, they're no longer healthy, (laughs) but... You know, it's just like that definition of health and how much we think we can control that. It feels so hopeful hearing you describe it that way, because as someone listening to this, it's like, okay, so the takeaway here is that I can really focus on how I care for my body and, you know, through really enhancing all areas of my life, whether that's movement stress, self-care, food, etc. But I'm not responsible for whatever my weight. I always picture it almost like this outcome, right? Of like, I did nothing to really like, quote unquote, like cause this, but I can focus on myself without stressing about this label of feeling like I am this way. Or if I get, you know, diagnosed with a disease of some kind, it's not like, you know, it's my fault for contracting this disease because of my weight or whatever. It just really, it just makes sense from a, like you said, it's like going back into that research and seeing, wait a minute, we were kind of wrong about some of these connections. Mm -hmm. They may have not gone together. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because it's almost like, yeah, it's just that, that correlation piece. Right. But it makes very nice, like media titles and like headings of like, oh my God. And it's like the fear mongering and like, that's how diet culture works. But when we can like actually go deeper and be like, oh, maybe, maybe it's not that. And like the goal, I think of health at every size or what I, I take from it is really like that decoupling of health and weight of being like, okay, like, can we see health at it? It's a value too. Like you can choose to not engage in health behaviors and that's okay. And that does not make you less valuable, but just separating as much as we can that your weight does not predict your health outcomes. 
right? And does not, is not attached to your health status that they can be separated and that you can continue to engage in those behaviors. And typically that's what they see and like what research will show us in different areas. Like I just read an article last week because I had a client with back chronic back pain and, you know, the recommendation was weight loss. But what research shows us is that regardless of weight or weight loss, people with chronic back pain, what's benefiting them the most is movement. And weight loss actually did not show to help with pain. <laughs> so it's just like really interesting that it's just the, the go-to for a lot of physicians and healthcare professional. And like, it's not that I blame them or we're like taught this, but then it's just like being able to, to look at the research. Yes. It re- like makes me think too, that, you know, somebody listening to this, like you said, in the beginning, we tend to not trust our journeys. We tend to not trust ourselves. Because we've never been told that our bodies can sort it out. Mm -hmm. And so this feels like a huge permission slip and like a permission slip backed by years and years and decades and decades of research and health professionals who are recommending this approach as well and going, hey, you can trust your body just because it's a certain weight or it hasn't lost weight that that doesn't mean anything. Number one, about you as a person or number two, necessarily about your health. And if that's something that you find yourself concerned with, and like you said, it's separating that, like if you're concerned about your health, it doesn't mean that you need to be thinner because we're really trying to separate those two things. And that's really what health at every size shows us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That thinner does not mean healthier. And like, this is a whole new paradigm. And like, if this, the first time you hear this, it can sound like, wait, what? (laughs) What do we mean by that? But it's just like really like deep, like looking into that more that we can. And then just also like, I love that like permission slip of like, hey, you don't need to continue beyond this wheel to try to lose weight forever. We can actually work on these health behaviors that you choose to at the body that you're in. And always like that second part of like, and it's okay that you feel body discomfort. Because even when we're (laughs) entering this journey, and I think I see this a lot with my clients when they're like, okay, I understand it and I'm making the conscious choice to work through this and heal my relationship with food, but this doesn't take the discomfort away. Right. And like, I think that's the biggest difference with diet culture is that in diet culture, like discomfort, it's like, Hey, solution, here's like perfectly packed diet for you. (laughs) You can for a love week plan. There you go. It's a 28 day challenge. It's fine. (laughs) But like when we look at like health at every size or intuitive eating or the anti-diet work that we do, we're actually teaching people like, Hey, there may be times that it's going to feel uncomfortable. And that's the byproduct of living in diet culture. And that's okay because you're going to learn the coping skills and you're going to empower yourself to work through it and still know that even when your body feels uncomfortable or you don't have a good body image that day that your body's still good. And that's the part that's like a hard piece to get in, but that's where the ultimate goal is, right? To get to that point of, we can't necessarily avoid body discomfort. Even people who have like great body image and stuff, like there may still be days that you don't feel as great in your body. And that's okay. Cause our goal is not to like every day, look in the mirror and be like, yeah, like I look wonderful. But the goal is just to know that regardless of how we feel about our body, your body is still good and you get to still take care of that body of yours. Yes. It makes so much sense to me in you know, someone journeying through this where this is just radical. And I think that it activates that deep fear 
that one that you've been taught for so long of like, oh, residing at a higher weight, quote unquote, or, you know, maintaining a weight that, you know, is maybe different from what you thought you would ever be okay with, or quote unquote, should be, you know, from years of conditioning that, that really, you know, number one today, I hope we made a little bit of a dent in that for you. Like you said, it's not going to just you know, rip off a bandaid and you're good to go overnight. When you hear this stuff, it's challenging. It's uncomfortable to even listen to because of that fear that it brings up, but it's important. And I don't know about you, but I really value, I really value providing information to support people in what they're doing. I trust people's process. They're going to figure it out. They're going to get through it. It's fine. But if we can show up here and talk about this principle that's supporting you, trusting your body, then heck yeah, we have done our jobs today, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a hundred percent. I'm just like the whole time you're talking, I'm like nodding. I <laughs> completely just agree with you because it, it is a, a hard journey, but it's starting to get the pieces together, right? And just maybe like, I, I always talk with my clients being like, you don't need to believe a hundred percent that you're going to feel comfortable at the size that you're in today. You just need to believe like, hey, there may be a possibility that my body here is okay. And just that possibility gives us enough enough space <laughs> to do this work. Yeah. And it does get easier too. Because I know if you're listening to this, and I know myself, when I was at the beginning of my journey, I was like, I will never be comfortable in my body. Like this discomfort is worse than dieting. It's not, it's not worse than dieting. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like it's actually, it does get a lot better. It does get a lot easier. And then eventually your body just becomes your body and it doesn't need to be this thing that needs to be managed or toned or sculpted or whatever term <laughs> it just is. And then you get to to shine and be you outside of like what you think the ideal is and how you would taught that you should be. Mm-hmm. When you said the word intrinsic earlier, that just, it mm-hmm. stuck with me and it's, it's this internal knowing and driving force. It's something that doesn't end. Mm-hmm. And it makes me wonder, how do you take care of your body today intrinsically? You know, if you're not feeling the best or you're feeling uncomfortable, like what's something nice that you do for yourself? Yeah, I think today in COVID times, <laughs> there's a lot of like wearing very loose and comfortable clothing. I don't know how I'm ever going to go back to tight clothes. Like I'm, I'm not sure that's going to be a thing for me. Like I, my body has just been like enjoying this like flowiness. <laughs> of like wearing super comfortable clothes. Like that is actually one of the things I do. Like if I have a bad body image day or whatever, like wearing clothes that just make my body feels like soft and comfy. And I really lean into it. And that's what I teach a lot of my clients is when we feel body discomfort, we often want to disconnect. And sometimes that's okay. Sometimes we need to. Other times what we will want to try to do is actually lean into the discomfort and not create more of that disconnection. And that can look different. That can look like, you know, just looking at yourself in the mirror, can look at like affirmation, can look at gratitude. For me, it's often going to be like moisturizing. Like I suck at like moisturizing, but I will do that as my body connection activity. It can be a bath. It can be any way that you like lean into taking care of your body. Because sometimes when we have a bad body image day, our reflex is like not wanting to take care of our body because we're like upset (laughs) and that's, that's okay. We can be upset and we can continue to take care of our body. So just looking at ways that we can kind of lean in. I love that. Thank you for sharing. That's so helpful. No. So much gold in that. What's next for you? What do you have coming up in your business? So many things. 
Always so many things. Well, right now I'm really focusing on my group program. The group program has been my baby in the last year and we're coming up to like a year of having it launched, which is super exciting. So that's really what I'm focusing on right now is continuing to improve the program and support more people through the program and really getting, it's really designed to help people heal their relationship with food and body. So going through all of these things that we need to unpack together to get to a place where, yeah, we just feel good. And we find that body neutrality and acceptance and food becomes just food and life becomes more enjoyable. (laughs) Take me there. (laughs) So yeah, that's, that's my big project. It's what I've been working on and yeah, super proud of it. That's amazing. Where can people find you and how could they get connected to you? Yeah. So people can find me on Instagram. It's pretty much where I spend most of my time. So at the Balanced Dietitian, I also have a, a podcast that comes out weekly, the Balanced Dietitian Podcast. And I'm going to be doing a free workshop at the end of May on emotional eating, which is a very hot topic right now because life is emotional. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot happening. So we're going to be diving deeper on emotional eating from an anti-diet and weight-inclusive perspective, which means that we're just going to work on like understanding emotional eating, why we're emotional or why we eat when we are emotional unpacking triggers and emotions and what makes us more at risk of emotional eating and then how to have better ways of coping with kindness. We're going to link to that in the show notes. That sounds like it's very timely right now. Thank you so much for being here. I love talking to you and I know people are going to find this episode so helpful. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks to you for listening. Find me on Instagram at Align Nutrition. Let me know if you like this or if you have other topics or ideas for the podcast. I love hearing from you. If you've gotten something out of this, help us reach more people who need this message by subscribing in your podcast app. A nice rating and review also helps us reach more people and is so appreciated. I hope you enjoyed this episode and until next time.